Welcome back to episode 28 of the FPL Draft Hub podcast, today looking ahead to game week 6. Welcome back fantasy football managers to the FPL Draft Hub podcast, your one-stop hub for everything draft FPL. There were some tasty games again in game week 5 and I'm sure there will have been some big point swings in your draft leagues with some underperformers finally finding their goal-scoring boots. Now some things stayed very much the same last weekend. There was a distinct lack of clean sheets, though we did find a few as the weekend went on. Some dodgy VAR calls and Calvert-Lewin scored again. In this episode, there will be the usual discussion of waiver picks, hidden gems, players to get rid of. And I'll also take you through some trade targets this week with buy low and sell high tips. So let's get into it. So just before I get into the main picks, I just wanted to cover a couple of general points, which I think are important this week. Um, the first is to say, so you know, if you didn't already know, defenders are currently representing very poor value across the league. And although it has always been the case, there is now a real premium on defenders that are able to provide a goal scoring threat as well as uh, able to bring in a clean sheet. It doesn't look viable anymore to simply have a playing defender from a team that, that keep things tight. Players like Connor Cody, uh, Soyuncu, Ben Mee are all starting to look like very average picks in teams that can't keep the goals out. The ceiling has come down significantly for defenders and I would be surprised if we see any single defender break the 170, maybe even the 160 point mark this year. And in that vein, it's clear then that we should probably all be aiming for a playing formation that has three at the back, either a 3-4-3 or more likely, given the strike shortage, a 3-5-2. Now, both of those obviously require at least two viable striker options, and there'll be lots of teams still suffering from a draft day hangover, which has left them short in that regard. The only way you're going to change this now is by trading and you should be looking to trade your number one or number two defender if you can for a half decent striker. This will be a struggle and if somebody uh, were offering me a premium defender for somebody like Mope, Mikel Antonio or Watkins, I'd probably be telling them to jog on. Um, but, you know, if it's there to be done, I would I would do it. But anyway, let's get into the main discussion then. The first one to mention is Joel Matip. Now, I penciled his name into my notes as soon as it became clear the magnitude of Virgil van Dijk's injury. Um, since doing that, there have also been some rumours that uh, Matip may have suffered an injury in the Merseyside derby himself. But at the time of recording, um, that is no more than a rumour. Now, aside from my previous comments on defenders in general, the Liverpool defence currently looks a bit of a mess. People were very quick to praise them for bringing in Thiago to improve that midfield, but there were two massive potential problems that were shown last year that have been completely ignored. The first was that Adrian is not good enough to step in as a backup for a title-challenging team, despite the fact that they got away with it last year. And secondly, that their main strength in Van Dijk has bordered on over-reliance and they've now found themselves very short at centre-back with Gomez and Matip, the only recognised out-and-out centre-back options with Fabinho, another player that we've seen is able to step back there as well. Ownership of Matip is, is pretty decent, but he is still available in more than half 
of most leagues. Uh, providing he stays fit, he is somebody who will be there all year, providing nobody else is brought in in Jan. But I would expect them to now, um, you know, as one injury should not leave the champions looking so short. Gomez is obviously another one to mention, and I think his starting 11 spot will be a lot more safe now, but uh, he's obviously taken already in the majority of leagues. Trying to predict how many clean sheets Liverpool will get this year is is very difficult to judge now. They got 15 last season, which was actually two behind Manchester City, which which seems surprising. And there's no way they're going to get anywhere near that now without without VVD, especially the way the season in, in general is going. You know, Trent and, and Robbo have the attacking returns, which, you know, still affords them that status. But even their value will have taken a knock with, with Van Dijk not there to help bring in the clean sheet points as well. But just to get back on point, I think Matip is is certainly worth picking up if he's there on the waiver pile, but I wouldn't do anything too silly or, or reach too far um, to get him from another manager. Another defender to mention is uh, Diaz for Manchester City, um, bought in from Benfica. Ownership remains criminally low as many um, possibly haven't grasped that this guy is first-choice centre-back alongside Laporte when he's also fit. He's currently free in, in more than 80% of eight-team leagues and more than a third of some larger leagues. If there are any clean sheets that can be found in your waiver pile um, at the moment, they're likely going to be earned by this guy. They still look you know, as shaky at the back at times as any other team, um, and Arsenal missed one or two good chances to score in, in their game at the weekend. But, um, you know, for context, based on who we were just discussing, I'd much rather have uh, Diaz in my team than Matip. Next pick is very much uh, a short-term pick, and that's Bergwijn for Spurs. Now, whatever is going on with Spurs at the back, they still look very capable of scoring goals. The West Ham game, you know, confirmed a couple of things. Kane and Son remain the most informed pair in the league currently. And the other thing that, that was blatant to see was that Gareth Bale is nowhere near match fit. So I don't think we'll see him start a league game this side of the November international break, which leaves the right wing spot open. And so far it has been um, between Bergwijn and Mora fighting for it. But for me, Bergwijn's just got the edge at the moment and did enough that I can see him you know, nailing down that starting spot over the next few weeks. Obviously, be wary if he features in any of the midweek games. Um, this will impact who I imagine plays at the weekend, but I think it's most likely that we'll see uh, Lucas Mora play the Europa League game and Bergwijn back into the, the league fixture um, at the weekend. Obviously, as I said, not a season keeper, but could get you some points in the short term, especially uh, with the fact that Spurs' remaining league fixtures up until that international break are Burnley, Brighton, and West Brom. Now, Ross Barkley was obviously one I talked about in the transfer episode. Um, and this was, you know, after he'd inspired that 7-2 win against Liverpool. And he's back in the team this week and manages to score a last-minute winner to give him 11 FPL points this week. Um, all, Mac, you know, all three bonus points um, and becoming a real fan favourite Aston Villa very quickly. I mean, Graylish is still the talisman there, but if Barkley keeps this up, I think they will be banging on the chairman's door to get this guy fully signed up um, and convert that loan deal 
into a permanent one. He's still available in around half of, of moderately sized draft leagues. And given the starts of, of some midfielders you might have put more faith in on draft day, like an AOZ Perez, for example, I think he's probably better than the fifth midfielder that a lot of us are sitting on at the moment. So if he's there, I would definitely go for him. On to a striker now in Che Adams, uh, the XG King, who has it's been a bit of a disappointment so far, but managed a goal and an assist against Chelsea in a 3-3 draw to make his numbers look a little bit more respectable. Remains available in around 30% of 10-team leagues and surprisingly is there in 75% of 8-team leagues with ownership lower than the likes of Olivia Giroud, uh, McBurney and Igalo. His starting spot is nailed and I think he will continue to get some returns alongside Danny Ng. So unless you're in a tiny league, he really shouldn't be uh, earning points for the waiver pile. Let's talk about some hidden gems then. So these are all players with generally less than 10% ownership, which means for more than 90% of you listeners, they are available on your waiver pile, so should represent a realistic target for you this week. And the first one is Max Kilman for Wolves, uh, a player who, you know, in terms of his potential, I could have mentioned in the main section, but ownership is barely hitting the 4% mark, um, so I've included him here. Could be, you know, a good sort of back doorway into the Wolves' defence. He's been lining up to the left of Connor Cody with uh, Sace pushed up in the left wing-back position, and it looked like it's worked quite well in the two games that they've tried it. Early indications are also showing that he's a good bonus points magnet, and the assist on Monday night really topped things off nicely. So he's two games played, two clean sheets, 21 points with six out of six bonus points in those two games good a return as you'll find anywhere at the moment. There will be some doubt over the stability of that lineup with Markel vying for the left wing back spot, which then leaves the question, does Sace get moved back um, with Kilman losing that spot? At the moment though, if it ain't broke, there's really nothing for Nuno to fix. The second pick is Wesley Fofana. And during my new signing pod in the international break, I told you all to ignore Fofana as he wasn't first choice. Well, that was before Sunchu went and and did himself a nasty injury, which looks like uh, will rule him out until until 2021. Um, so he was thrown into the first 11 against Aston Villa, played all 90 minutes, and actually looked really good despite the late Aston Villa winner. Uh, could be a decent like-for-like replacement for Sunchu, or could even be your ticket to some points in Van Dijk's absence. Third defender option is John Joe Kenny. Um, Coleman has been ruled out with a hamstring injury and Ancelotti confirmed in his press conference that we'll probably have Kenny for the next game, which sounds like as close uh, a thing to early team news as we're likely to get these days. As good an option as any defender really these days in a team that's obviously playing well. Ownership is practically 0%, so we'll almost be there for all of you if you want to pencil him in. And you know, behind the likes of Kilman and Fafana, who I've already mentioned uh, would be my third choice pick. On to a couple of midfielders next. Uh, another player mentioned during the international break bonus episodes is Theo Walcott. And we need to get into te- into leagues with more than 12 teams really before we see his ownership get above uh, the 10% mark. There was a decent upturn in his ownership last week following his loan move 
back to boyhood club Southampton. No doubt they were all managers that listened to my deadline day transfers pod, so, so well done. He was lined up as expected on the right side against Chelsea, but positionally seemed a little bit all over the place, coming into the middle a lot with Walker-Peters often having to be the guy to create the width on the rare occasion that the Saints were able to attack Chelsea. He picks up the assist for Vestergaard's late equaliser from kind of shot come cross. And his performance in the game isn't really why I'm picking him out, more than the fact that he looks like he's nailed in that starting eleven that has you know a couple of informed strikers and with no real other creativity around that team at the moment could be uh, a nice kind of medium source of income. And just to bear in mind, Southampton's next fixtures are Everton, Aston Villa, Newcastle and Wolves. So there's no reason why they shouldn't have any any joy from an attacking point of view over the next few weeks. The second midfielder then, and this is a lot more of a punt than Theo Walcott, is Ndombele. Now, outside of the Kane and Son show, Ndombele was Spurs' best player and looked to be the closest thing to Dembele we've seen since he left. His hold-up play, wriggling out of tight situations and more of a forward outlook than we've seen from a lot of midfielders was impressive to watch and it's a shame he's he's currently unable apparently to play 90 minutes because if he stayed on the pitch, I think Spurs win that West Ham game comfortably. Not somebody I'd rush to go out and get by any means, but if you're in one of the bigger leagues and he's available, certainly one to consider because I think out of the, the Spurs midfield options, he's the one most likely to get some goal returns. The last one from the Hidden Gems section then is uh, Grant, who signed for West Brom. Uh, new striker in the game, uh, came in during the extended EPL window from Huddersfield. We didn't see much of Grant, though he was around when Huddersfield were in the Premier League um, the year before last. But he's back after a 19-goal championship season and was thrown straight into the eleven for West Brom's match against fellow strugglers Burnley. Had a goal rightly chalked off for offside in the first half um, and otherwise didn't have too much to feed on. Now, as has been mentioned in every pod so far this year, strikers are in short supply and I've got no doubt he'll be picked up by a lot of managers this week who have non-playing options in their squad. If he gets 10 goals for West Brom this, this year, I think he'll have done very well. So I'd be setting the bar very high for bringing him into your team if you've got three playing strikers, but if not... He's an easy one to go for. Let's get into the get rid section then. And starting off, uh, unfortunately, with Virgil van Dijk. Confirmation uh, on Sunday that he had to undergo surgery for an ACL injury. Um, so it doesn't look like, you know, I think we'll be lucky to see him again uh, play in the league this this season. And as such, there's no reason to keep him on your bench. It will hurt, but you're going to have to swap him for a comparatively terrible alternative, but there's really not much else you can do. In a similar vein, though not quite to the same extent, is uh, Soyuncu, who I mentioned before when talking about Fafana, who looks like he's got a nasty adductor tear, which should rule him out until 2021 as well. And I don't think he's a good enough player to hang on to for all that time I think if you were in uh, a really big league maybe 16 teams and you think you could park him on your bench then then by all means you can try but I think as soon as your squad's starting to look a little bit thin 
then he's going to have to go um, and you just hope you're able to pick him up again in the new year. Away from the injured ones then, uh, a few names here that don't look like they're getting much joy. The first is Lucas Moura, who I believe is now third choice right winger for Spurs. Um, and with ownership close to 90% in some leagues, there are definitely better options out there. Gilfie Sigurdsson is another one I've mentioned in previous ones. He's unlikely just to uh, displace any of the current playing eleven, Even with Richarlison's three-match ban incoming, I would assume that um, Ancelotti turns to somebody else with pace like, like Iwobi. Yuri Tielemans for Leicester is another one. He's lucky to have the one return that he does have this season as he scored a penalty after Vardy was substituted off against Manchester City. Continuing the pattern from last season, which involves him not really being anywhere near goals or assists, and ownership as high as 75% in moderately sized leagues is too high. Finally then, on to Ozil Watch. We did see further reductions in his ownership this week. I'm going to have to assume current owners are undertaking some form of handicap to make it fairer on the rest of the league, so it's a fair play to them. Now, let's take a look at your draft investment portfolio with some sell-high and buy-low targets for your trades. Now, this first time I'm including this feature as we've now got at least four matches worth of data to attempt to value everyone now. Uh, I think a feature episode on player trading could be something I look at doing in a few weeks' time during the next international break as it's an area that's rife for draft chat and there are no real right or wrong principles it's just a matter of trying to work out where you stand some will say to avoid these types of moves when you're struggling in your league while others will look to consolidate their team into a kind of Hail Mary outfit that has a chance of slinging them up the table it all depends on what you're aiming for so some sell high targets the first um, pairing I want to talk about is Trent and Robertson would have been very high draft picks and could have been your first rounder in the bigger leagues and not surprising given 200 plus seasons in the last couple of years. As I've said before, Liverpool don't look like walking to the title as they did last year and I've already discussed the impact of VVD missing from that back line. And as I mentioned, they both have uh, an ever-present goal threat to keep the points ticking over, but it could be worth putting some feelers out to see if you're able to turn them into... I don't know, a Rashford, a Vardy, Ings, or dare I say it, a Calvert-Lewin. The positions these guys were likely drafted means that they were expected to hit that 200-point mark, and the way the season is going, you're far more likely to see that sort of return from one of the strikers that I've mentioned. Definitely not an essential move, and I wouldn't undersell them, so only do something if there's decent value there. Um, Trent could be someone you're able to get slightly better value for, just given his name and how well he did. Uh, last season. The other one to consider selling high is Patrick Bamford for Leeds who started really well but now looks to be regressing to what was expected pre-season. There will be no shortage of managers in your league looking for strikers and especially starting ones and you may be surprised what sort of value you can get for him. The value will have to be a midfielder or another striker option as I would not be making any moves for defenders currently. Now, he's currently 12th overall with 32 points in FPL, and I would leverage this heavily in your negotiations, especially if you can use the fact he's outscored 
possibly every player on the opposing manager's team, which could well be the case. Next then, a few players to consider buying low. The first one is James Madison. Start has been hit by a couple of injuries, and I'm sure there will be a few owners that are starting to lose patience with him, which is exactly what you want to bank on in these kind of buy low targets. Another substitute appearance against Aston Villa with his only return this season coming at the end of that freak game against Manchester City in game week three. Once he is fully back into the swing of things, I think he will be straight back in that starting eleven and back among the goals. So if you can prize him away from someone this week, then, then do try and do that. The next two are far more circumstantial for the same reason. And the first is Richarlison, who was obviously sent off in the Merseyside derby and is now out until after the November international break. If your team are looking relatively healthy at the moment, he could be a great pickup to sit on your bench for a few weeks, knowing that you'll still have the potential of 30 games to get out of him afterwards. With a goal and three assists already, and being on penalties for Everton, he could be a great pickup. So yeah, in the similar vein is Anthony Martial. This one will be more of a struggle, as I think Martial is likely to represent a higher draft day investment for the manager that you're looking to get him from but he could be another one to take advantage of the acute issue of his ban following the red card he got against Spurs now he's already served one game and the two games left uh, are against Chelsea and Arsenal which aren't the worst fixtures anyway for him to miss before a more pleasing run of fixtures after that there is a risk that he loses his starting spot through either a new formation or or due to new personnel but if you're Satisfied that won't be an issue, um, that could be something to throw into the chat to help your negotiations and uh, just get a little little bit of shookness thrown in there. And the final one is Harvey Barnes. Now he's played every Premier League minute for Leicester so far um, and is impressed without really converting his performances into an output of FPL points. I was actually unsure if he should go here or in the sell high list because of how kind of great his reputation's been so far this season. But given he's only returned in one match so far, uh, I'm putting him in here. Maybe you want to put feelers out for this week, and if he blanks again in the next one or two, could be one to, to go back for and build on negotiations that you've kind of already started this week. So that's it for this episode. Don't forget the waiver deadline this week is on Thursday evening as we have our first Friday night game with Aston Villa taking on Leeds at 8 o'clock. Now a lot of managers will be caught out by that this week so make sure you get yours uh, done early, get your trade business done early and don't assume the player you want will be taken by the manager below you because they might forget. If you found this pod at all useful, make sure you're subscribed so that you don't miss out on any future episodes. Uh, please leave us a review and follow us on Twitter at FPL Draft Hub Pod, which is probably the easiest way to ask any questions. Or alternatively, you can ask them on the Draft Discord channel, which you can link to via Reddit. Make sure you check out FPLDraftHub.com where you can have free, unrestricted access to all the stats I've mentioned in this episode as well as personalized stats for your team and draft league be sure to keep an eye on the midweek european games for any new injury or covid news as some bench backups can suddenly look a lot more attractive when you're penciling in your waivers so best of luck for the weekend and as always stay shook <laughs> <laughs>